0: Hugh Syme, a world-renowned graphic artist with the biggest names in music and the corporate world. Andy Wilson, an award-winning marketing and public relations executive with over 20 years of combined multi-level entertainment industry experience in the music and sports business. Now let's buzz. Hello and welcome back to the Music Buzz Podcast. I'm Andy Wilson along with Dane Clark. Hey, Dane. Hey, Andy. How are you today? I'm good. And also Hugh Syme. How's it going, Hugh? i'm doing well thank you andrew and you i'm doing great thank you good yeah today we're joined by corey larios and david jenkins both are founding and current members of the legendary san francisco band pablo cruz from 1975 to 85 the band toured u.s canada and japan extensively reaching the top 10 with mega hit classic songs like what you gonna do love will find a way and several other top 20 songs. The band went on to sell several million albums worldwide and singles collectively and established themselves as well-respected writers, performers within the industry. Fast forward 20 years in 2005, a reunited band picked up where they left off. And today the band performs all over the world, primarily U.S. and Canada, and enjoying it now more than ever. We're also going to jump into David and Corey's other projects and other things that they've done in their careers, as well as their new song, Breathe. So welcome to the Music Buzz, Corey and David.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you.
0: Likewise. Sure. Glad you guys are here.
1: We're glad to be anywhere.
2: Right. Any of us at this point. Well, I'd like to start with what I usually do is uh, kind of go over some songs that I, I always do a little deep dive in uh, in an artist uh, repertoire. And I pick some songs that I think not always the songs that everybody knows, but I picked five of yours that really kind of spoke to me as, as a musician and a listener. That some of them maybe people don't know that much about, but we like to encourage listeners to, you know, to do a deep dive in into somebody's catalog. And uh, so I really love your first record, and I remember hearing it. A buddy of mine had it. I had your second record, but the first record. Um, so look to the sky, and I remembered it as soon as I heard it. It reminded me then and now a little bit of like like a great Glenn Campbell classic. Which what could be better? kudos than that very cool song loved it
3: uh, that that came out of bud cockerel uh his countryside and bud had a lot of country in him
2: sure with the beautiful strings too you know mm-hmm.
3: yeah it yeah. was definitely a country lean wasn't that, to a, to that, that, was that song. on our,
2: our
4: second album Life One. the one where you guys <laughs> are naked in the water
2: that's their second album. Oh, okay.
4: That was Lifeline. Just on that note, I've got to say, I've, I've observed that throughout the 70s, there was kind of a trend. Orleans, Prince, the Allman Brothers in the Creek, Peter Frampton, they all went shirtless. So That was the photographer, Norman Seif,
1: and that was kind of his thing. Norman did.
4: Yeah, he used to work with Norman's assistant, Cameron. Okay,
1: yeah. So that was kind of a trademark thing in Orleans, yeah, for sure. I don't know who else did it,
4: but but uh, yeah it worked it worked yeah. I remember the cover very well so anyway back to
2: my five there's the first one I love that song people if you guys if you if our listeners haven't heard it check out look to the sky zero to sixty and five okay some killer classical piano um Corey on that and then the way it does that intro and then hops into the up tempo section great playing production the strings again and Dave what a great solo, man. Very tasteful. Well, wh- everything's really well thought out in that song.
3: Thought out is the key word because I remember Corey and I going back and forth. I forget what studio, SIR, or some studio, might have been A&M. Well, of course we were trying to, we actually thought we could, you know, squeeze a vocal and a lyric into that
1: thing. And it's just, then once we got the instrumental going and the, the strings were done by David Campbell, who's actually back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, cool. uh those were some of the best sessions were unbelievable that, that that zero to 60 session for us was on new year's eve 1976. oh wow it was, it was unbelievable that that i'll never forget it because it was such a great session i mean this the orchestra was just perfect
2: oh yeah you can tell man i love his arrangements and the piano sound on that record too just the the you know the the grand piano is fantastic and the song Crystal, that could been an Elton John classic. That's how good that song is to my ear, melodically and harmonically. Yeah. Uh, very cool song. Never Had a Love Like This. That's a great one, man. I, I'd never heard that one before. Hadn't heard that. Huh. The 50s kind of piano thing. Then the cool guitar arpeggio that goes on top of that. That's
1: segue out of another song. or in, We segue from another song into that, right?
2: It starts right on that 50s kind of gunk, 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 gunk you know. Yeah. Whatever yeah, you'd he, call he, that. He
4: knows, yeah. I was hearing on that gunk, 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 gunk note, I was hearing kind of the, a super tramp kind of vibe. And in the middle where you do the breakdown, there's definitely kind of a Van Dyke Parks, Brian Wilson thing going on. And I don't mean this to sound like we're comparing you two, but it's anything but uh, but flattery and good news to say that you hear Steely Dan and well, the Doobies. Well, sure.
1: well, We became very popular ripping off other people. That was our whole deal.
4: Everybody <laughs> does, don't they? In their hey, own way. <laughs> no,
1: you know, back then, in, in that period, the eighth note piano was like, it was in every record. It was like, you know, everybody had that eighth note. That's true. And somewhere in there there was Pablo Cruz. What there
2: was, was that's what I was out. gonna say. That was my next sentence that I'd written down. But still, <laughs> of course, sounds like Pablo Cruz. It really does. Yeah.
1: I always thought it was a great song. You know? It's a great I, song.
2: And then my last one I'm gonna pick is everybody knows it, Love Will Find a Way. Such a great chord changes when it goes to the B section into the chorus. It's like to me, and here we go with another band comparison, but like a more commercial Steely Dan, and again, perfectly executed musicianship. So, thank you. very nice work. Everybody needs to do a deep dive on these guys and you won't be disappointed.
4: Your vocals as a band were stunning. Uh, I'm curious to know, since I've never seen you live, I know from being in a very vocal-centric band that it's great to be in the studio and to get the, the vocals right, but how many people sung in your band live, and how well did you pull that off as a band? Do you think
3: Corey and I sang, and then our bass player, right. whoever the bass player was at the time, either Bud or Bruce. Yeah, both. Bud was a great singer. I mean, to guy- answer that
1: question, I mean, we were always pretty spot on live with, as a trio. It was a quartet, but three of us sang, and so yeah. the harmony. Yeah, but but today we we've added a, a fifth member who ba- an, who who is really primarily a, a singer along with the rest of us and our and i really think our vocals are probably better than they ever were in our, our life nice we don't we don't use tracks or anything and we good just, but it just it, it just it's a great blend of, of you know the, the four of us and and yeah our bass player is a true tenor and he just can he covers all those high parts and it's really it's really it's fun because when we do sound checks there's a couple sound checks we do there's a couple songs we you know uh Try out the vocals and get the blend and everything and and it's it's always pretty spot on you
4: know yeah
3: before we go out to for the show we always have the acoustic guitar backstage and we've run through choruses on several songs yeah. just to get our acoustic blend in the room
0: on this show we've talked to some other uh some other guests from san francisco the bay area we talked to bill from huey lewis and the news and talked to members of the grateful dead etc so take us back guys to to when the band formed and what was the scene like for you guys? Uh, Cause every time we talk to somebody from the Bay area, we're like, whoa, you hung out with them? You know, it's, it's, so it's, uh, tell us your story from, from, uh, your experience growing up in that scene in that area and, and uh, putting the band together
1: to that point uh, there was a lot, a lot of camaraderie amongst musicians in San Francisco at the time i mean it was a, first of all everybody was banging around the same clubs we were either in berkeley or we either in the city or down palo alto and, and so everybody was crossing paths as as bands were starting out and building you know building their repertoire and whatnot um but it was uh it was an amazing time. I mean, Dave mentioned Studio Instrument Rentals. I mean, that was like old old home week every day when we went there. You didn't know who was gonna be in there. I mean, Santana was there, the Journey Guys or Neil was there, everybody was in rehearsing and uh it was it was really really a lot of energy and just just a great, great time. Um when we formed the band, we we uh we were <coughs> to back
2: up i was in a band called Stoneground, which was a which was a the, uh oh, i remember that band the singer from uh, the beau brummels was in that band exactly.
1: yeah so eventually dave ended up in that band and then that's how we out and said like you know because it was it honestly all due respect to the band but it was the most out of tune band known to man it was there was 11 there were
0: 11 people in the band we had four. oh god at least you had to claim the fame yeah
1: exactly <laughs> there were four girl singers and none of them liked each other either which was always fun you know we get on stage Ooh. and they'd have cat fights you know and and uh, so we we that's where we kind of said you know we got to do something else and that's when we we our drummer Steve Price was also in Stoneground so the three of us you know peeled the band peeled off from that band and uh, hmm. you know started started woodshedding with Pablo Cruz and or it wasn't Pablo Cruz at the time but then I had met Bud Cockrell uh, he was in a band called It's a Beautiful Day oh yeah great band he was married to the lead singer patty santos so dave and i got Bud, and, and we the four of us went up to Washington, vancouver washington and we just switched it we got this guy liked us gave us a, a club to work in we played four hours a night and we just made made
3: stuff up with us. we didn't we didn't right. really have a repertoire we had a set list of about four songs
0: <laughs> and the rest of the night <laughs> we, <laughs> so we we had to play, it was
1: like four hours, we yeah. played four hours. that's yeah. great though so, so did you do one together. song
0: an hour or did you do the four songs back then? I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. no, I mean, we just dragged those things out. And, you know, and then the, we kept coming up with riffs. David have a guitar riff and we'd all kick in. And it was like a jam band, you know. Terrifying when we go. We were there for three weeks. And when we came back, it was like, what the fuck are we going to do? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. But uh, Good for you guys. So I got to ask. You know, looking, we, we Hugh made the reference of uh, album covers from the '70s, but you know, there's so many bands from that era: Steely Dan, Pink Floyd, Leonard Skinner, Marshall Tucker, Jethro Tull. That you know, over the years, there's always been that joke of which one's Jethro or which one's Pink, right? So, you guys fall into that category because I had one of my sons. I mentioned I was we were talking to you guys, and he's like, "Is that a guy or is it a band?" <laughs> I said, "It's a band," but to tell tell is it Tom us from the Cruise's name- brother. Yeah, yeah, where the name where the name come from? If you guys should tell that story for our listeners, it'd be great.
1: It's a pretty simple story. I mean, it was a nickname of a friend um, in, in when I was in college. I kn- this guy was from Columbia, uh, amazing guy, very very bright individual, and uh, you know, it was just sort of a nickname that you know we coined for for him. His name, his real name, was Joaquin Villegas. and he, his history would take up this whole show. But he was a remarkable guy, and so. We, he was just—he he, was—he uh, graduated from high school. He was in college when he was 16. A really smart guy, yeah. and uh, and and also just—he was a, a photographer and an artist and whatnot. So he just just threw it in the hat, you know, with other names. But to your point of all the there was Fleetwood Mac and Jeff Tweedy yeah. and all these bands. So it kind of made some sense to throw it in there, and, sure. and so we went with That's it. That's great. But we took a huge break, you know. So I always joke that people don't know Pablo Cruz is a
3: chef or a band.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally.
3: In interviews that we did, you know, there were four of us. So, like, even on the Dinah Shore show, one time she, wow, which one's yeah. Pablo? And we said it's the one in the middle.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: four are guys. <laughs> Uh, now great. we have five guys
1: so we can't really use that joke. Out can't right. use that
0: one it's anymore. The one in the middle. Hmm. So tell us about the new song Breathe. I listened to it a few times. It's great. It's a great tune. So tell us a little bit about that and some of the the more recent stuff you guys have been working on. That about. song
3: came about over COVID, over everybody being locked down. You know, everyone's living in fear and body condoms and masks, you know. And and uh, but we we got together Mainly on Skype, didn't we, Cory? there was a lot of there was a lot of Skype sessions, not a lot, but a couple to write the song, and then we we did parts in in our different studios, yeah, sent them to Cory, and yeah, well, exactly. we went into a studio and cut it, and it was just sort of it,
1: it was miraculous how it got done because it was just it came in pieces and whatnot but the but the irony was as soon as I, I remember being in, in the studio mixing it and uh it was right when george floyd said i can't breathe
4: yeah oh wow
1: my wife walks in and she goes well that takes care of that song Mm you (laughs) know because it was just a timeless world you know yeah we're we're talking about how great it'd be to breathe and and then that it was it was amazing timing you know so we waited you know and i think dave who did you talk
3: to about it well i talked to a friend of mine up here who's a mayor and one of the mayors in marin county and I said, Marty, when do you think it's going to be a good time to release this song? He said, a hundred years. <laughs>
1: but we were very concerned. And we, you know, we, sure. we, we, we had, it, was
3: Understandable.
2: Just,
1: it was just, a, uh, you know, an innocent coincidence is what it was, but we waited, we waited for a while. And then actually there were other things, other things that came out, you know, alluding to breathe and all that. So we, Well,
4: the whole, the whole pandemic was, a, was about the challenge, the potential of losing your breath and so on. So it, it, it's much more of cosmic than that one sad and tragic incident you mentioned t- uh, doing work on skype as being kind of a, a product of being in lockdown because of pro tools and because of how available musicians haven't always been to each other for the last decade or so have you guys always done your best work sitting in the room and writing together or have you long been doing long distance uh, track sharing
3: i think our most effective work as far as cory and i as a writing team was definitely paired up together in the same room. Yeah, you know, re- working on stuff. Yeah, I mean, we in the early days, man. We it wasn't a wasn't so much a job, but we treated it that way. Mm-hmm. And and it was just for the desire to to do it. Yep. We spent every day writing and and recording, and but it just seemed like the right thing to do. And um, it wasn't I don't know it it wasn't so much a job, but we did go after it on those hours
4: you know it sounds a little bit like the get back a scenario where you understand that paul and john had a great time doing what they're doing but they also knew collectively that their responsibility was to raise the bar every time what a fun way to do it eh
1: well yeah i think a producer told one of our producers said you know uh, it'll be so exciting for you guys when you get your first hit we said then then you got to come up with a second one <laughs> mm-hmm. and so the Uh, You know, because the first one's kind of magical, you know, know, even though you, you you know, you, you're aspiring to get a song on the radio when you actually, when the song actually moves into the top five and you're like, holy shit, everywhere
4: you are in the country. Yeah. Song. And then it's like, so now what? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Corey, I, I, as a fellow keyboardist uh, myself, it's not lost on me how accomplished your chops are. Where did that come from? Were you conservatory trained or were you just really good? How, did you just have a good ear
1: well no i took a lot of lessons i mean i started taking lessons when i was six and i'd start and stop and quit and whatever but i kind of just honed my own you know style of playing and i'm a terrible studio musician really it's it's
4: but you're inventive on the spot yeah
1: pretty much i i i have to admit there's i i, I sit down every morning and play and a lot of times i don't even recorded or whatever and you know he, you know it's like it's you know it just could be just a uh, 16th of a note off yeah and, and you can't get back to it you think oh i know what i played i know what i played and then you go back and it's, you know, yeah so yeah. about Different it just, thing. so I'm about that second which is why i love having my iphone to be able to record because i can you know record the moment you know if i'm, yeah. if I'm sure. ready but yeah, yeah, I took lessons. I I, I took lessons, and I, and I was a terrible student. And um, but mostly just inventive. I mean, I've always been able to come up with a.
4: When did it become evident to you that with all the cool drummers and cool guitar players out there, when did it become cool to be a piano player? I'm going to presume Elton John or George Martin. Elton and Leon Russell. And, yeah. You know,
1: I used to listen to Leon like you know until i mean that, that guy was so great and he
4: was amazing and, of
1: and, and elton you know just for the the the, the sheer pop but just amazing i mean it's just what a writer i mean
4: yeah I a mean, uh, lovely piano and player I, too. I, and i
1: like billy joel too i know billy billy's billy's an incredible lyricist and how about and how how about billy Payne? did you ever get yeah. into
4: it yeah you
1: know, uh, yeah 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 as a matter of fact last time we saw him he was
3: playing with the doobies right dave yeah yeah yeah, that guy's a monster. Yeah, he is. You know, Corey mentioned that he's, he doesn't feel like he's a great studio, particularly a studio musician. But what he is, is a stylist. And there's not, I don't know of anybody that has a style as as ah. marked and strong as his. Oh, gee. It's carried through our <laughs> records. It's carried through our records and, and also into his
0: yeah, personal right.
3: work with TV and um that stuff because he's he, he's really he's really what I would consider a composer.
2: W- well, Dave, I would say the same thing about your guitar solos. Oh, thanks. I would put him up there with any of the guitar solos on
4: the Asia record.
2: Yeah, it's funny you uh, say. Uh, by Steely Dan Asia, oh. not the band Asia. It's, it's
4: funny you we- say that. I was hearing Denny Diaz and Santana yeah. in your playing just today. I was thinking, God, this wow. guy's got chops.
1: What's amazing about Dave is that I mean, we play, we're still playing, and and he cops those solos. Exact.
0: Now, before before you guys jumped on the call, and to David's point about Corey, so we were looking over your resume, uh, Corey. So if your ears were burning, and uh, you're an Emmy award winning, um, you're you've won Emmy awards. I mean, and you've also done. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like I said, like well, right. I'm sorry, but but 300 plus episodes of Baywatch. I mean your music's probably heard by any by, by more than anybody else in the world because isn't that show like seen all over the world all the time
1: <laughs> i mean it it actually made the guinness book of world records as as the most watched tv show in wow. history. And, and you wow, know what's man. interesting about it is it's it's still we we just redid all of the songs because they they bought all these huge records you know right uh in fact John. Camp, I mean just really expensive records when they were making the show we had Beach Boys and Eagles and all these bands but they were like six-year licenses so Uh so the uh, they were long enough to keep the show went on for 12 years you know Um, but after that they couldn't put it out they couldn't make because of these songs so we redid the song so my the the cool part is the song the show was re-released couple years ago and it's back on like it's one of still huge it's like in 150 countries right and uh, we always joke about it we always say look we did two 250 episodes with three scripts yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's
2: good but lots of nice looking it was it was (laughs) a dream
1: day to work on it because you know you've got pam running down the beach in slow motion how bad could that be
0: well, I but, can att- uh, I can attest to that. In twenty twenty, my wife and I we adopted a little girl from Bulgaria, and I was over there flipping through the channels. And there was like twelve channels that worked, and uh, none of them were were English channels except for CNN. And by golly, I was scrolling through there, and uh, there was Baywatch. I was like, "Oh, there it is! <laughs> of course, it's on."
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a gift, man. The the way it happened. I mean, it just.
2: Well, so you say that they came out again. Now, did you replace those yeah, songs with other
1: did. songs? Or- yeah, I, Oh, I, so I um, executive produced four hundred songs,
0: oh, and wow. we did it
1: like in ninety in, in just a little over a year and a half. Wow! Wow! Every single song that was on a montage, we sent a. We had a huge group of writers. Yeah, you know, we got a bunch of young writers to work on it, and every single song. That had a montage. Every every montage that had a song, we sent that to a writer and said, "You can't get
4: part close to this, but write something that has this spirit." Ah, okay. It. So you weren't doing covers of the original; you were actually emulating us. It's a... all new original stuff. But
1: there were some great writers, some great great guys that you know that jumped in. Some really seasoned writers. Uh, nice. One, one of the uh, my favorites is J.R. Richards from Dishwalla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jr. J- is like you know he's a great singer and you know he was just cranking them out. Everybody was enjoying working on
4: it. The timing was good too because things had gotten really sluggish in the business, so it was an opportunity. Nice,
2: that's
4: interesting. As a piano player, have you ever done uh, string arrangements? Even if you work with a, a contractor or a, someone to, to do the notation, have you ever done a full-on string arrangement?
1: Yeah, I work, I work with a with a composer named. Chris Boardman, who did orchestrations for me. And I did the first, actually, it was the first movie, I did a movie called One Crazy Summer. Mm-hmm. And that was, we had a 60-piece orchestra.
4: How did you approach that? Did you just put down, like, like, keyboard and... I mocked it all up. I mocked
1: up, you know, the tracks and everything. And this is yeah. back in the archaic days. I did it, used a, a Lin 9000. Okay, yeah. It's the main wow. box to sequence it, and then I used a Syncluir. I see. But, um, but, yeah, Chris took it all and blew it up. Nice. You know, mm. um, but uh, it's there's so much more technology now that we can work with to do that.
4: Yeah, and such good samples.
1: Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, the, the amount of, the, the, I mean, all in one little box, and it's really, really fascinating.
0: It's, yeah, it's stunning. That's awesome. And I know, David, during those years where you guys weren't together as well, you had, had a country project. You had, like, I think— The Southern um, Pacific yeah, I'm yeah, Southern, that Southern Pacific, yeah. and then um, what's the guy's name in Hawaii? He did some stuff with it. What's his name?
3: Capono Beamer, who's a pretty much a favorite son, Hawaii. Him and his brother had a, yeah, one of awesome. the biggest records of all time there. Yeah, that was one of my favorite projects of my life because I got to stay over. I wasn't really getting along with my ex-wife at the time, so I'd say, ah, I got to go to Hawaii to write <laughs> with Capono, and I'd be gone for a month.
4: Nice, now. yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: We stretched it's the writing out over four years.
2: <laughs> i'll be back in four years hon we'll
3: <laughs> yeah exactly uh, you know and it was surfing every morning and then recording and writing all that oh, yeah. sounds
4: horrible I damn did. who were your influences dave
3: uh there's got to be a few that jump to the head yeah i mean too many to list but i mean um every as wide as as marvin gay and uh and all the way to um sons of the pioneers i mean i love all kinds of music and i, I listened to everything and you know the early days of playing guitar from dylan to clapton mm-hmm. i used to listen to clapton a lot and that blues breaker album was one of my favorites and uh, mm-hmm.
2: vino cover yeah
3: yeah right but all, all kinds of influences you know that's awesome I too many to try to we always
0: we always like to ask guests what was the first paid concert that they went to as a fan can you guys tell us uh, who that was
3: yeah i remember mine was at the cow palace uh the beach boys and Lovin' and spoon oh nice
2: wow john sebastian's a buddy of mine oh he, he is? on my last record
3: <laughs> yeah how's he doing is he still singing
2: yeah he just put a new record out with arlen roth where he revisits the spoonful catalog oh wow. <clears throat> so yeah, he
3: wrote some pretty you know fun.
2: he mainly is you know still playing harmonica and, and i love that guy i
3: think that
2: guy was, he was great he was a brilliant and it's I, what i'm not saying he was he's
1: getting some nice licenses with some of that.
2: He sure is. I he's all over the TV right now. Do you believe in magic? Yeah. And, yeah. What a what? He's such a sweet guy. I mean, I literally contacted him. I did a record called uh, uh, Songs from Isolation. It's a full, full record that came out in August of 2020. And about the third song and we got in USA Today right off the bat. So it was kind of it started rolling. And I had nothing else to do for four months, so kept me busy. And we did it long distance, just like you guys did. And anyway, I contacted his manager and said, I'm going to do a version of uh, one of John's songs. He did a cover of Sitting in Limbo. I would wonder if he'd want to play harmonica on it. 15 minutes later, I had an email from John saying, hey, here's my cell phone and here's my home
0: phone. Give me a shout. I'd love to. So what about you, Corey? First paid gig as a fan or not gig, but first concert
1: CTA, Chicago Transit.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. I saw him
1: at the cemetery uh, at the uh, San Jose Fairgrounds. And, you know, what's funny is Danny Serafin works out at my gym.
0: Okay, really?
1: (laughs) And we were talking about he's actually not he's he ended up with the name CTA. So he goes out Mm as he's the he was the drummer. Right in Chicago. Yeah, right. sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those guys are all around. They all live around out here where I live.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah we talked to Lee on the podcast last year. Actually, the trumpet, trumpet player. Yeah, They're
1: great. That first record was just
0: fantastic. Just yeah.
1: Burned a hole in that album. You know.
0: Where was that show at?
1: They, it was at the San Jose uh, County Fairgrounds.
0: Okay. Cool. Nice.
3: Yeah.
2: And Dave, I got it. I want to go back just a second. So, how good were the Love and Spoonful that night when you saw them?
3: Oh, they were just incredible. I mean, it was, it was letter perfect, you know, yeah. and, and it was one of those shows where you really couldn't take your eyes off the stage.
2: Sure. You know, I believe it for,
3: for them and the beach boys. And it seems to me there was somebody else on that show, but I can't remember who it was. I mean, I was 17 then. So that, that
2: was what? 65, 66, probably.
3: Yeah. 66. Okay.
2: Zal was still playing the guitar. Oh yeah. The oh, original yeah. band. Yeah. Very cool. That
3: yeah, was the original guys. That's awesome. Oh, and you know, and Brian Wilson was still in the beach boys.
4: I was in a band in the 70s. We had the dubious distinction of opening for the Beach Boys, which was a delight because I was a huge fan of theirs, Pet Sounds particularly. But yeah, Denny was, Denny was still with them. Brian was kind of barely with them. He was just coming out of his dark days. But it was fabulous to be sharing the stage with such amazing people. Oh,
1: yeah, they made some records, yeah. boy. I mean, Brian.
4: Was- oh, no kidding.
1: The, the
3: vocal arrangements on those records is ridiculous. Mm-hmm.
2: So how long was the Southern Pacific band?
3: How long were you? Well, I was with those guys for a couple of years, one album and a couple of years. Okay. It was a very consistent, very quality show night after night. I mean, we had it down to where the comments between the songs were the same. Mm. Everything was identical, but it worked. Yeah. You know? And the playing was real good.
2: Oh, I'm sure. You know, the shows like that are, are, you know, people don't know unless they would follow you Grateful Dead style. So it doesn't, you know, it's okay to have that you know when you're gonna come into the next song that
4: way. You know? Oh yeah. So. That's one of the things about watching YouTube and watching people in interviews because never before have artists been so available and so ubiquitous in the media. So when you watch McCartney give an interview or tell a story and then he does another interview and yet another, there's no question he hearkens back to some of the same stuff.
3: You, know, you mentioned The Grateful Dead. When I came out to California in 1966, the first person i met in california was a guy named leonard hart and he owned a music store in san carlos and he gave me a one-minute audition he asked me if i could teach i was 17 i said sure i could teach he, i've been playing for about a year and he ran me through a one-minute audition he said fine start tomorrow you can move in with mickey well that was mickey hart's dad so mickey and i had a one-bedroom apartment in san carlos and mickey taught drums and i taught guitar and we sold japanese import guitars in the store real crappy stuff but it got better and better later. But cool. Yeah, that's how far I go back with
2: him. And that's before the, he wasn't in the dead until. No, he wasn't in a the couple dead. years later. And then I think wasn't it kind of sour grapes with him with the father too at some point.
3: Yeah, that turned pretty messy. Yeah, he really didn't like his dad at that point. Yeah.
2: So uh, speaking of other San Francisco bands, I, I was involved with a band and still am kind of, I produced a record for these guys. Moby Grape. You remember those guys? Did or you ever see those my guys? My favorite
3: line? San Francisco band. They were my, Jerry Miller was my favorite. Jerry Miller's my guitar guitar man. idol guy.
2: Yeah? Well, yeah. he'll be glad to hear that because I, I, I check in with Jerry from time to time.
3: Oh, you do? Tell him I said hi. We know each other, you know, sort of. Sure.
2: Man, is he not the coolest, sweetest guy? And Don Stevenson too, the drummer, was, I mean... He's an he, amazing singer, but an amazing band.
3: Yeah, they were, they were my favorite. I was a big fan. Yeah. Big movie, great fan, for sure. When I was working at Heart Music Company in 66 and 67, those guys were the first band I met, because they used to come in. Don would come in for sticks. Jerry would come in, you know, strings and stuff. And I don't think I met Skip Spence at that time. He may have come in, but it was mainly Don and, and, and Jerry. And then... I don't know. It was just, that turned into my favorite band.
2: It's still my favorite band. So good.
3: Yeah, man.
2: Very cool. That's neat that you knew them way back then. That's Small cool. world. Yeah. How about the airplane dudes? Did you ever run into those guys back in the day?
3: Yes and no. I, I was so high on acid. I don't remember it. <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> well, they were too, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> live
1: right around the yeah. corner from me in Palo Alto. Really? Yeah. And you know, that, that period of time, this is like, this is the, uh 60s i mean you'd see i mean first of all palo alto was also another hub for a lot of musicians especially the dead like you know down university avenue you'd see jerry garcia and all those guys just walking around and and they you know they were certainly out of place at the time but you know palo alto was was pretty forward and still is a real forward thinking town but we just well, we we play with the Starship. We just play with the
2: Starship mm. just before COVID. Uh, who's left? Because Paul passed away. David Freiberg. Oh, okay. From the Quicksilver. He's the, the only original. one
1: left from the original band. And then Mickey
0: okay. Thomas
3: has got Jefferson. Just
0: Starship, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: That's a great band. I sang with the, with the. Uh, let's see, I guess it was the Jefferson Starship. I think it was the Jefferson Starship. We I t- toured with them, and... That, that's when I met my first wife because she was dating Ron Nevison at the time. And, uh, she was singing backups and I, and, and I came into rehearsal one day just to say hi to the guys. And they said, Hey, we need one more singer. You want to go out on tour with us for a short tour? I said, sure. So then I got to know. Well, so uh, what year
2: was that? Would that have been? My uh,
3: now <laughs> ex, Carolyn. <laughs> Sorry. It was like Seven. about 85. Yeah. yeah. About 85. All right. Oh wow! But I mean, when we got married, Grace and Mickey both came to our wedding party, cool. and uh, oh yeah, we had we had quite a star-studded event. A couple nice. guys from Huey's band. That was in Stinson Beach. Yeah, it was at Stinson. Right. I remember that because a friend of mine from
1: high school came, and he brought this girl, and, and she left early, and she said, "That's the most despicable group <laughs> of people I've ever met." Wow. <laughs>
2: hey nice <laughs> well were, we were just high
0: you know right it was rock and roll people we were Come rock, and yeah. Not despicable. despicable yeah
2: but
1: uh, she was just she was you know she well was you know what you say a, is despicable
0: in a good way or in a bad way she's
1: from the amish country <laughs> or something that's funny man <laughs> but i said what what happened to your girlfriend he goes she left uh, she couldn't handle <laughs> me it.
2: nailed oh well
1: well, you know what? I do have to jump, but I, if I can just uh, plug a little bit, the guys in our band, because we have a pretty great lineup. Of course. Yeah,
0: go ahead. Shoot. Yeah.
1: You know, starting starting with our bass player, Larry Antonino, who, um, if you ever saw that thing you do, the Tom Hanks movie, he was the Wolfman. Oh, okay. Yeah. They brought oh, yeah. The sub bass player, but he's a phenomenal bass player, and he's played with everybody from Barry Manilow to Jeff Lorber nice. to Jeff Beck. And, and he's been with us. He's been a huge, huge addition for Dave and I because he he, he really lays it down the way it should be done. Nice. And, uh, and then uh, it's, I say recently, but he's been with us for three years now. Um, this guy who's, uh, the guy that's covering a lot of the vocals for us right now is a guy named Robbie Wyckoff. And Robbie was out with
0: um, the uh, Wall Tour doing oh yeah Uh, i worked on some of those shows that was a ridiculous show (laughs) i mean that wasn't even a concert i'm sorry but my
2: gosh yeah
0: yeah he's got to have some pipes
1: so he's unbelievable you know and then the lastly we our drummer original drummer had to take some a leave for health reasons and so we uh, were lucky enough to get Sergio Gonzalez, who was out with J-Lo and just played with a ton of people. Wow. But this guy's nice. amazing, too. So, But the best part is that we really all get along really well. I mean, we have a lot of fun. I think that, you know, it's. I, I say this. I mean, Dave might play some golf, but I say we. I don't play golf. So when we <laughs> go out, that's our golf
2: game. That, you know, it's sure. the fives. But it's a hell of a It's game. so important for a band to Get along and, you know. Well, you
1: know, I, I have to say, that I don't think, I mean, I don't think that we would do it. I know I wouldn't do it. I don't think David would do it. And David and I always joke, or I joke. I say, you know, we've forgotten mm. what we don't like about each other. <laughs> so, you know.
3: <laughs> I like that. Truthfully, I mean, the last gig we played last Saturday in Las Vegas. And after the gig, we went to the, they had a suite for us with the food layout and stuff. And it was just the five guys in the band. And we hung there for an hour and a half just talking and and I think there was a football game on and we just hung out and and we really do get on well it's really something
1: well, but I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because we're very proud of the band and and I the fact that Dave and I after all these years we can go back and revisit that repertoire because there's stories obviously behind all of it and so it's a gift
0: you know at this point in life we really appreciate you guys joining us today
2: thank
1: you so much
2: yeah
0: great meeting you both very cool to talk to you guys thank you guys take care
3: thank man really fun everybody peace safe.
0: all the best see everybody later bye 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 so long bye bye peace bye bye cheers